All right, good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to another episode of Our Pack Politics Podcast. Our podcast is brought to you by our organization, our United Resource Pack. Guys, we are a tax exempt political organization. I'm your host again. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in this Monday morning. I feel like I've been away a while, and technically, I have last week. If you remember, we had one episode uh, because we were off two days last week. We were off Monday and we were also off Friday of last week. So you only got a show for me last Wednesday. uh, And this week you will get one extra show. You'll get a show today. You'll get a show on Wednesday, but we are off on Friday. So instead of one show this week, there are two. So let's get into the first one. Guys, this show is all about the fact that the proof is absolutely in the pudding. Americans 1 million percent need more economic stimulus. And the question that I pose to you, if you have been looking around, if you've been paying attention, is why is the conversation about the need for more stimulus seem to disappear If not entirely, it's definitely lessened when you look at the media. That's definitely an important question. Um, Is it because they think that we don't need stimulus anymore? Well, if you listen to this podcast, this episode today, we are going to talk about how the proof is all around us. We 1 million percent need more stimulus and we can't let people control the narrative and try and keep us from having this conversation because... Again, everyone sees it. We need economic stimulus. So let's get right into this episode. Guys, so the proof wasn't just like in the pudding that we had like the last few weeks dealing with COVID. If we look at the pudding that we still have in front of us, we can absolutely see that there is still a need for COVID economic stimulus. But, um, you know, I want to speak to the fact that originally everyone thought that COVID was going to be like this short-term problem. Um, When when we first saw COVID-19 spreading, you know, before we, you know, knew what it was, quite frankly, um, we, we finally got to a point where we understood the nature of the beast we were dealing with. Well, as much as we needed to, uh, to finally say, hey, we've got to do something when we uh, actually consider what we're contending with right now, right? Uh, and, and when this happened, Congress had absolutely no problem in coming together and saying, look, we need to, uh, we need to make something happen. So let's provide some financial relief to companies because we're going to have to shut down, but we're only going to have to shut down for a short period of time. This is going to pass. Things are going to get better. And then we're going to go back to normal. That's what the expectation was. This was supposed to be just a, a short term problem. Well, we obviously know that that's not the case, right? We're like six months into this now. And the the thing about it is that the layoffs that had happened initially are still happening, okay? And we're in a situation where Congress isn't doing anything to help people. And that's very much a problem. And and in just a second, I want to talk about how providing bailouts to big corporations and only providing bailouts to them is actually a losing plan. Um, but but again, we have to be honest here in knowing and then like in understanding that 
we have to shift our focus. We have to stop thinking about this, this, uh, this COVID-19 as a short-term problem. Just look at how long we've been dealing with it. It's very much not a short-term problem. That's what we thought in the beginning, but it does not benefit us to think that anymore. If we, as a society, say that the only companies that are worthy of assistance, the only people who really need help are large corporations, even though, yes, they provide a lot of jobs to people, even though they have an impact, a significant impact on not just the overall economy for the country, but for specific localities. They are in some cases like the main employer in a city, in a county, whatever the case might be. But even still, if we only focus on providing assistance for those big mega corporations, that's absolutely a losing plan. I want to talk specifically about um, not just a specific industry, but a specific type of business. And um, this, this should make it clear to you why again, only focusing on larger organizations is an issue. Let's look at, for instance, hotels. Now, we had heard um, within the first about month or two after we had the CARES Act, what was the big thing that was talked about? Uh, the big thing that was talked about was how we needed our next round of stimulus was going to be targeted, specifically targeted to businesses that were most impacted by COVID-19. You know, their customers weren't coming anymore. And it makes absolute sense to think, well, duh, hotels have to be part of this because obviously nobody's going to hotels because people have to stay home. So I understand how we started having that conversation, why we started leaning towards having a, a national conversations about providing specific and targeted bailout to hotels, explicitly to and for hotels. But there were problems that I want you to think about. Problems that, and I think it's kind of funny, and I'm bringing this up because just kind of backtracking, my mind kind of goes everywhere. So I'm going to leave that thought. And I'm going to jump to another thought real quick. Uh, when we hear, for instance, about opposition to uh, the HEROES Act, the proposed legislation in the House that looks to provide trillions of dollars to the American people and businesses, the main form of opposition um, is that, well, one of the things that, that is in opposition to that piece of legislation is that, you know, well, we don't need to provide uh, stimulus and give money to state and local governments because they're mismanaged anyways. So because that's in there, that's one of the reasons we don't want to support it. Um, that's also one of the reasons why we didn't uh, see aid to state and local governments proposed in the the uh, legislation we saw brought up in the House, uh, excuse me, in the Senate last week, because Republicans don't think that we need to support um uh, state and local governments that were mismanaged. So fast forwarding to my thought regarding hotels. 
there was a problem with the hotel industry. Uh, it's not really an industry. It's more of the hospitality industry. But if you look at hotels as, as kind of a business model, there was a problem that we're not hearing addressed, especially in counter to this not wanting to uh, help poorly mismanage state and local governments. And it's the fact that we had a specific kind of company pop up on the scene within the last few years that actually became in some ways a competitor to hotels. You know the name of that company and companies similar to it? I'm saying this company, I'm going to name the company, not because it's the only kind of competitor, the only like a company to shake up the space, but because it's one that people most often know about. And that's Airbnb right? Those are your little guys, the average Americans who you have some who are absolutely uh, running their Airbnb listings uh, as like, you know, almost like bed and breakfasts, you know, like running it like a complete business. But for the most part, you have just your average people who are looking to make some extra cash. And so they've done it in a way that not just benefits them in their pocket, but benefits the people who actually come and utilize their services. And that's disrupted the hotel industry. So are we throwing out the same argument that hotels were poorly managed and we're like not going to give money to an industry that was poorly managed? We, we use that argument with state and local governments. This is an example of, of preferential treatment or, excuse me, preferential assistance. I'm not saying don't help hotels, okay? Um, I think you need to help all people in the equation. Because if you just help hotels, you end up propping up an industry that when times get back to normal, unless you're counting on their competitor not being able to rebound or suffer sufficient damage to where even if they don't go out of business, if Airbnb doesn't go out of business, which they're probably betting on with, with COVID-19, right? I mean, we'd love to live in this idealistic world where we think that you know people are only wishing good and dandy thoughts. But I, I'm just saying, how do we know that part of the plan um, from the hotel industry who, mind you, had a lot to do with this proposal, which we'll talk about in just a second, the legislation that we've seen in the past proposing that we give millions and trillions of dollars to their industry. Uh, but how do we know that part of their plan is not literally to either hope and pray that people just don't feel comfortable enough in using Airbnbs and don't really return to that same state of use and just automatically assume that the companies are, you know, having more regulation. So I'm automatically going to trust them and just utilize their services more when I start back using services. Or how do we know that they're not going to write into their proposed legislation that they're able to get on the desks of politicians to be brought up in the House or the Senate, most likely the Senate, and we'll talk about that in a second. How do we know that part of their plan with that may not include uh, regulating the Airbnb type of space up the wahoo to where it is not profitable? Because in some cases, that's what they feel that that's been done to them. Again, I'm not saying don't help. I'm not saying don't help hotels uh, because there are jobs at stake. There are people 
just as much as we have to feel sympathetic for and to the people who are running Airbnbs to, to make money on the side, we also have to feel sympathetic to the people who work, you know, within these hotels and depend on that income. Marriott absolutely needs needs help, but so does Marie, who's running an Airbnb in her son's bedroom while he's off to college. And you might say, well, Brittany, we provided help to Marie in the form of the PPP, which we'll talk about in just a second. <laughs> you know, the, the type of help that the little guy is getting and has gotten when we look at the economic stimulus we have received to this point has not been sufficient. Now, it hasn't been sufficient either when you look at what's been giving, given to large corporations, which we'll talk about in just a sec. Well, here's the thing. Let, let's talk about it now. When we choose to only bail out big corporations, you know, your Marriott's, and, 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 and we automatically assume that, well, if we give them money, they're going to provide us security because they're going to keep uh everybody, they're going to use this money to keep all of their employees. That's a great thought. I can see how you might think that. But let's look at, for instance, Frontier Airlines. Okay, Frontier Airlines, they received, um, there was the this $25 billion bailout, and they received part of that bailout. Now, here's the deal. They received that bailout, and as part of their bailout, you know, it was felt and trusted with, you know, all of our hope and might that they would use those funds to keep their people and keep operating and do great things and make Frontier Airlines great again, right? Uh, but here's what happened. We just recently heard that they're about to furlough almost 250 flight attendants and almost 100 co-pilots based in uh, Orlando uh, International Airport. Now, obviously, you might say, well, Brittany, a hotel and an airline, those are apples and oranges, and you can't compare the two. I completely agree. But we have an interconnected system. Okay? If, yes, you can say, well, an airline is too big to to fail. It, it has, you know, thousands of workers that, that it has. And if we just let them fail, that's going to like ripple across and that's not going to, you know, it's it's going to just devastate communities. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But, but are you telling me that the money that independent contractors or small businesses, the money that they and their employees put into the economy don't matter or that they matter less? Dollars and cents wise, Obviously, you get more with the bigger companies, but we cannot go along with the assumption that if we give these big corporations more, they'll be able to do more. They'll be able to provide us with more security. I can see how that would make sense, but it's simply not true when we look at what has happened. I mean, again, ripple effect. It's not just the the co-pilots and flight attendants that are getting laid off. At uh, Orlando International Airport, you had almost 800 people who worked in food service, who worked in restaurants at the airport getting laid off, getting furloughed. Ripple effect. We can't keep providing bailouts only to large corporations. It's absolutely a losing plan. What if we had just shut down completely? 
if we had just shut down completely, do you think we'd be in a position where we like need more economic stimulus? I mentioned earlier that the pandemic was initially thought of as kind of this short-term problem that we were going to have to deal with and we'd get over it pretty quickly, just throw a little bit of cash at it, make it rain a little bit, and we'd end up with the trickle drip uh, that would result in, you know, just this shining stellar economy unlike any economy we've ever seen. Like it would be like this pandemic never even happened, right? But that's not what happened, right? The virus, the, the outbreak that we saw worsened. Why did it worsen? It didn't worsen because, now I'm not talking about the, 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 the financial aspect. The, our economy worsened because we were in lockdown. That's without dispute, okay? When you don't have people out there working, when you don't have people providing value to our system, the system grinds to a halt. That's not in dispute. Um, what is in dispute is that some people say that the virus worsened because we weren't out there in the economy, which I kind of find like my mind says, what? Like, what? <laughs> like, I, I don't even know how to respond to that, right? But But imagine if we had actually shut down completely like and and we had a more unified approach as a country whether it was on the issue of masks whether it was on the issue of just even you know this being kind of a serious thing i mean you could have a conversation about the news that recently came out about the president and kind of what he knew versus what he said we're not going to get into that we'll take that out of the picture but you know because i mean it is what it is in the words of the president, right? There's really no need to kind of get into that. But if we had had a more unified approach in, in, in other ways, would we have seen as many people die? Do you think that the country at this point would be more functional in terms of people being able to uh, go out into their communities, go to uh, the store, go to just even like, get their hair done, get their nails done, go to the malls. Do you think that people would be having more confidence, especially as we approach a season in which um, we typically kind of see retail sales, you know, uh, start to increase towards the end of the year due to the holidays? Do you think we could have been looking forward to a retail season that would have, um, would have been, not necessarily normal, but more close to normal than what most are anticipating at this point. Do you think that the recovery that we're hearing about at this point, as we're simultaneously hearing less and less in the news about the need for stimulus, do you think that the recovery would have been more sound? One of the things that you, you're hearing and you're seeing is you're uh, hearing and seeing this narrative about how the recovery is, you have essentially two recoveries going on at this, at this point in this country. One group of people, 
things are almost back to normal. Pretty much your wealthy people or those who, you know, are white collar workers, but white collar workers who tend to make uh, more than the average American for them, that they're at a different point in the recovery. They're in like the rebuilding phase almost, like very early stages of the rebuilding phases, but they're not still actively putting out fires, a fire that has decreased, but a fire nonetheless, like the other group of Americans who were dealing with uh, the aftermath of, you know, well, we can't even say aftermath because they're still actively in it. Would things have been different if we had just shut down completely? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm quite frankly not sure, but I do think that they are valid questions. And I do think that it is safe to assume that if we had no extenuating circumstances, if we, you know, didn't have anything else dramatic happen, I think it's safe to assume that if we had just shut down like completely and been more unified, that things would have been very, very different. That we wouldn't need to still be talking about stimulus. And if we would have, we wouldn't have a need for so much stimulus. The skinny bill would have actually looked not skinny. It would have looked appropriate. COVID-19 would have been on track to be a short-term problem. But it's not because we didn't address the problem. And I think that um, there is something to be learned and learned from and said about the fact that Sometimes just doing something isn't enough. You have to do enough for it to be enough. We did not do enough with COVID-19. And now when we look at the uh, economic impact of COVID-19, some politicians, some people want to set us on track to not do enough. And we already see what not doing enough gets us as a country. We need to do more than not enough. And that includes just providing bailouts to large corporations. That's that's a losing plan because this is not a short-term problem. So let's talk about the PPP and let's talk about the lobbyist influence that was not talked about really at all. Um, Now, lobbyists influence various pieces of legislation. Like they are, they are descending upon Washington (laughs) in mass. They do it on a regular basis. It's part of our political system. They are, uh, they are intertwined, woven neatly, and they are quite frankly, part of how we function as a nation. And so, to to say that they or or to act like it's this horrible thing that never happens um you know the fact that lobbyists influence the ppp in in a way that i'm going to describe here in just a second i don't want to approach this conversation in a way that makes it seem as if that's some horrible thing or that it's something that never happens before it is a horrible thing in, in, in how it happened in this specific situation, but I want you to understand that it is something that is normal, okay? Uh, and, and again, I, I want to stress that because I am not 
this podcast is not, our organization is not some news organization. I'm not a reporter by any means. Um, I'm not, this, this podcast is not being brought to you as a news show. This podcast discusses news, but it does it while operating as a political organization. And I make it very clear when I start the podcast. That way, when you uh, hear the podcast, you understand the lens uh, under which we are kind of looking at things. We're not trying to remain neutral to make everybody happy because we, you know, want to make everybody feel like they're right because guys, not everybody is right on every issue, right? And most often you have two very wrong solutions to, to imperfect solutions, to imperfect politicians, to imperfect policies. But truth is one is less imperfect than the other. And to try and always kind of play the neutral party, which I understand why news organizations, you know, do that, um, Quite frankly, I actually got into a conversation on YouTube uh, with a, a, a citizen reporter, as he calls himself, uh, and we were talking because he, on his show, kind of mentioned something, and I was like, yo, like, you know, I understand why you kind of present stuff in this way, but you, you have to be honest with your listeners. You can't always strike this kind of both sides tone, because it's not always both sides, you know? Uh, it's And it's not always black and white but it's also not always gray and but but the thing is sometimes you just have to call it where it is whether it's black white gray wherever you can't always just kind of say well it's always it's black white and gray because it's that's not always the case but anywho getting back to the lobbyists here and again i said all that because uh we are a political organization and as a super PAC uh quite frankly some people here's the thing myself included uh don't really uh, like the influence that super PACs have, but we got into this kind of political game because it's kind of like, well, don't hate the player, hate the game. Okay. And so as we talk about this with the lobbyists, don't hate the lobbyists. They are doing what they are paid to do. This is where you have to say as a citizen, how can I get involved in this game? And I've said it before and I will say it again. Voting is absolutely essential. So please make sure you go out there and you do it in November. But don't you kid yourself into thinking that that is enough. Why do you think that you see a whole bunch of get out and vote efforts, but you don't see a lot of efforts to get you involved politically in other ways? And I'm not talking marches and rallies and all those things. Those things are, they, they help you feel good energetically, but for the most part, they don't accomplish a whole lot. It's, it's something that a lot of people don't want to hear, but it's the truth. And when you do see change, hope and change coming very slowly, they don't happen very quickly. And most of the times the hope and change that you see is not what you're out there in the heat or in the rain marching for. Question I'm going to pose to you before I jump into this story that I pose all the time. Do you see the people with the most political power out there marching on the streets? Do you see them marching saying, we demand PPP, we demand, you know, we demand uh, tax breaks. You don't see that. And if you think you do, you need to stop drinking whatever the heck you're drinking. 
Anywho, so let's talk about the PPP and the influence that lobbyists have had, because if we're going to talk about the proof being in the pudding, part of the proof that we need to look at, um, when we say that more economic stimulus is, is needed, is we actually need to look at the policies that have been put before us and the solutions that have been put before us because the solutions for a lot of people um you know whether it be the ppp or uh whether it be the the mortgage assistance that was provided it's not as kind of cut and dry as most americans believe it to be it's not like a lot of people here's the deal a lot of people think that it's like the actual politicians that uh, sit down and draft policy and then propose them to their respective chambers. In a lot of situations, that's not what happens. In a lot of situations, that legislation is drafted for them by other outside uh, uh, by other outside organizations and people. And they take that legislation that was given to them and they propose it. So all they do is they serve as vehicles to get things done for organizations, for industries, so on and so forth, which is why you see what we are seeing right now in the Senate, where the needs of the American people are just being overlooked, but complete and total... Uh, uh, complete and total catering is being done to the the people who are giving them their bills, the people who are giving them their 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 uh, donations to fund their campaigns. So, everyone has heard about the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. I mean, say that three times fast, right? Let me see if I can do it. Paycheck Protection Program, Paycheck Protection Program, Paycheck Protection Program. Boom. Oh, my gosh. I'm more awesome than I thought. So if you don't know what the PPP was uh, or, I mean, you could say is, right? Uh, it, it basically was a um, was is <laughs> a forgivable loan program, and it provided about $10 billion, excuse me, $10 million that was uh, meant to help companies, but it was supposed to be done in a, here's, here's the Republican word, it was meant to be done in a very targeted way, right? That targeted way is it was supposed to keep employees on payroll and cover their expenses, okay? Now, mind you, targeted is like the key word for Republicans here, right? Uh, they have wanted to, after the CARES Act was passed, the next piece of legislation, the next form of stimulus has to be targeted. We're going to be targeted, 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 targeted. Let's see how much targeting they did before and specifically how that targeting turned out. Um, I said before, and I will completely stand by the saying that the PPP, when you look at economic stimulus. And, and I want to clarify something. When we talk about COVID-19 economic stimulus and relief, it's not just one thing. It's not just unemployment, it extended unemployment benefits. It's not just stimulus checks. It's not just the PPP. It's not just mortgage forbearance. It's all of those things combined. That's what makes the package, okay? Out of that entire package, 
the least effective thing, if you ask Brittany, based on research, was the PPP. Uh, that, that for me, if you had to ask me something that was done that does not need to be done in the next stimulus package, PPP, we can do without it. We can absolutely do without it. Brittany, why in the world would you say that that's giving money to, to keep employees on payroll and cover payroll expenses? Did you not hear what I said earlier in this podcast? What's going on at uh, Orlando International Airport? These companies got money. They uh, had furloughed some employees originally. Uh, well, actually, they at Orlando, they weren't under the people. Anyways, that's kind of a different example. But for a lot of other companies, what happened, especially when you consider that this was supposed to be just a short-term problem, uh, which was why, excuse me, which was why uh, the, the, uh, the actual amount that companies got for this for their for their uh, loan was not like a whole like a whole group of money to cover expenses and payroll for you know a whole year. It, it was only meant for a couple of months, but it was supposed to do two things. It was supposed to allow companies to keep employees, so those employees didn't have to run off to the unemployment system and then further go down the rabbit hole of cash aid and Medicaid and food stamps and it was supposed to stave that off from 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 occurring it was also supposed to help them cover um uh just 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 you know those that part of their operational expense the the payroll expenses well what happened they laid off some employees and here's 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 what people weren't talking about well actually they talked about it at a specific point <clears throat> a lot of the stuff is interconnected, I just want to say. You really just have to, to take the time to look at it either for yourself or you have to find reliable sources who communicate the quote-unquote news to you, yes, through a lens, because anybody who is telling you that they are not providing news through a lens that is uh, biased in some way, they're not being honest with you. Like, even if they try not to be biased, like, there's always going to be some sort of bias in there. So so don't believe the lie of, oh, I'm just reporting the news. Like, nobody is ever just reporting the news, right? Um, but so, anywho, when these companies got that money, it was said that they only had to attempt Keyword, attempt. Let me repeat it. They only had to attempt to get their employees to come back. At the same time that they received this money, what was going on? What was really helping the economy and directly helping a lot of Americans? They were getting that $600 in unemployment economic stimulus. Again, attempt. Companies got money to help cover their payroll expenses. Payroll expenses for people that they had, in most cases, already laid off or furloughed. So they just had to attempt to bring them back. 
would it not have just as much? And here's the thing: if let's let's be fair, if we are going to say that there are people out there who decided not to come back because of the six hundred dollars that six hundred dollars in economic stimulus, and I'm sure that that happened, it would be a, 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 an absolute absurdity to think anything otherwise. But if if we're going to be fair here, and we're going to say, well, people didn't come back because they got the six hundred dollars, we also have to be fair and say that there were some companies, especially smaller companies, who saw that it would have been more beneficial to claim that they attempted to get people to come back when they really didn't attempt to get anyone to come back. So they got to keep the money from that failed attempt because that person that they attempted to get to come back to their old job didn't come back. So that failed attempt got them money, money that they could keep. And do you think that that company attempted to hire anyone else to fill in the positions for the person that they attempted to come back that didn't come back when they made that attempt? Come on. What are they attempting to talk about? They're attempting to tell you a lie and they're attempting to hope that you attempt not to attempt to look at it. Mitch isn't talking about that attempt. The PPP was the least impactful form of stimulus when we looked at that entire package. It was, hello, we were told, well, give it, we were, we were almost held at gunpoint and told, well, give us the money and we'll keep the jobs. We gave the money and they ran off with the jobs. What was the PPP supposed to do? And did it do it? It did it temporarily. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you say to me, well, Brittany, it did it temporarily. You know, we all, you started off the podcast and saying that it was only supposed to be temporary. We only thought COVID-19 was temporary. And that's why we can't provide more money in the form of unemployment benefits, that extension. Well, I'll tell you what, if we expect the unemployed people in this country who have been unemployed through no fault of their own, I'm not talking about the people who didn't show up to work and eventually got uh, lost their job. No, 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 I'm not talking about those people. I'm not talking about the people who aren't looking for work because if you were honest and they always say, well, those those people, they don't want to look for when you don't want to look for work. I'm, I'm sorry. The unemployment system is set up to where you don't receive benefits. So who the heck are they talking about? And if people are able to easily circumvent the system like that, you need to re revise the system. That's not the person's fault. That's your fault for having a faulty system. The program was supposed to keep people employed and it didn't do that. Even if it was short term, we expect these unemployment people to say, well, we say to them, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You companies, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That money that you kept from your failed attempt to get people back because they were so gung-ho over the $600 lets you tell it. Why didn't you take that money and reinvest in your, well, well, you couldn't have taken that money, but why didn't you take that money and hire other people? 
Why didn't you take that money and kind of condense your condense your uh, roles and openings so that way, well, maybe instead of employing people, two people at $9 an hour, maybe I can get one person at $15 an hour. Why didn't you do that? Take some initiative. We tell the unemployed, take some initiative. You Damn it, you take initiative too. But when you look at the, the direct checks, the stimulus checks given to Americans, those did what they were supposed to do. Those transferred money from one individual to companies. Those companies could then use the, that money that was given to them to buy products, to buy things to help with the services that they provide, to hire people, to cover operational costs, to buy those, those golden parachutes. Sorry, I got my phone next to the mic. I'm riled up here, guys. When you look at the extended unemployment benefits, same thing. Do you think it's any correlation why now more than a month out, we are just kind of starting to see the trouble in our economy? Of course, they weren't seeing trouble in the economy within that first month after it happening. That's why you had all those dog and pony shows of politicians out there say, saying, see, look at the look at the economy. It's great. Of course, it's great right now because it's too close after when people had that $600. This is exactly why I mentioned before, as we get closer to the election, it's less, less and less likely that we're going to see anything done. But while it's less likely that we're going to see anything being done in terms of stimulus, it's more likely that we're going to see the benefits, excuse me, we're going to see the, uh, the, the consequences of failed stimulus. It's it's easy to kind of deny now because we still see some kind of some remnants of, of economic activity post the $600 economic stimulus, post stimulus checks. Well, those stimulus checks really aren't effective really at this point anymore. Those those are, as they say, those are gone. Those, those have been gone. Oh, oh my gosh. So, I'm, I'm done ranting about that. Let me let me tell you something. I mentioned that I mentioned lobbyists, and I mentioned that the PPP was influenced by lobbyists. I hate to tell it to you, but it's the truth. The program was meant to help small business. That's what it was kind of framed as. Okay, everyone talks about that when they talk about it. But do you ever hear about, have you ever heard about the special rule that was written into the legislation and it was done at the request of industry lobbyists that allowed for large hotels and restaurants to qualify as part of the PPP? PPP was meant to help small businesses. When politicians and pundits talk about the PPP, small businesses, family businesses, independent con oh, small businesses, but they don't say, while well, they say small businesses, they don't say large hotels. You, you don't hear that. That was a special rule, preferential assistance. This is why when we look at in that month or two after the CARES Act was passed, uh, and we looked at the, the fact that Mitch was dancing around saying, 
Money for travel. Go out and travel. You'll get money. Money, money, money. Travel, travel, travel. This is why Mitch did that. He wanted to provide incentives for traveling up until the last few months. And, and obviously that kind of went nowhere. But the reason he wanted to provide that was because he had already been tainted by the industry. The industry saw, well, we, we got a little bit of leeway in, in the PPP. Let's get a little bit more. You know that saying, you give them an inch, they want a foot? You give them a foot, they want a mile? That's what happened here. Now, can you blame them? I mean, if I'm able to get assistance and I'm in an industry that really needs it and we were suffering before the, the COVID-19 anyways because of a competitor, I mean, can, can you blame me for trying to get some help? No, but as I'm going to say later on, you have to do the same for you. The PPP was only supposed to give money for about two and a half months. But how can they operate without customers? Whether it's restaurants, large hotels, your mom and pop shops, whatever. Is that even really operating? If you look close enough, you see the lobbyist influence. The lobbyist influence that came along with the PPP that was done with the Paycheck Protection Program, was that the end of the lobbyist influence that we are seeing on potential COVID-19 economic stimulus and relief? No, absolutely not. There's more lobbying that is actively being done to influence the relief that we get. What's happening? Well, there is in the commercial real estate industry, and this is pretty interesting because um, one of the things I, I will disclose that I do is while I'm working and when I'm like working, you know, like on the computer, I pretty much do one of two things. I am listening to YouTubers pretty much, you know, um, it, it, if it's not about COVID-19, maybe it's, you know, um, as a Christian woman, I'm like listening to, you know, sermons or something like that. Um, but if I'm not doing that, I'm listening to music. But there's a particular YouTuber that his channel provides, uh, it's supposed to be a, a financial channel, something that's supposed to help people with their finances. And since COVID, it has definitely taken on political leanings. And he really is into real estate and he is really... Um, he's really pushing a lot of propaganda. I'm not going to get into it, but I will say that it reminds me of what we're seeing in Congress and a lot of lobbyists trying to do in terms of their push to try and push a piece of legislation called the Helping Open Properties Endeavor Act. It's called the HOPE Act. Notice we've got hope, we've got cares, we've got heroes, you know, 
But none of these are going, maybe if we call like one of these, like the Death Star act, it will actually go somewhere because all these popes and heroes and, you know, Karen and like none of that stuff is, well, the CARES Act got somewhere, you know, but anywho, this HOPE Act, um, it's a piece of legislation that it's supposed to offer emergency cash infusions to companies that had previously taken out certain types of loans and that have become more vulnerable. Um, and it just, it, it boggles my mind. And, and I really question, are we going to see Congress be so bold as to try and pass the HOPE Act without directly helping the American people. I can't frankly be, I can't frankly see this being brought forth in the House and actually being brought up for a vote. Not saying it would pass, but I, I can't even see it being proposed to be voted on. But I can see once it hits Mitch McConnell's desk, I'm, I'm not saying, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you could make the case with Brittany, you know, well, we're not really, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, I, I not even can see this being brought up for a vote. I can see it. Like I, I can just, it has a future in the Senate. It 100% has a future in the house, in the Senate. I'm not sure it has a future in the house, but in the Senate, the hope act pronto pass. Why do I say this? It's because the Senate has already already kind of given their ears to lobbyists. Now, the House has done the same. So don't 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 sit here and say, well, Brittany is saying that the Democrats are so perfect and that they they don't pay attention to the lobbyists. They absolutely do. I mean, hell, just look at the Heroes Act. As much as we want the Heroes Act to pass. Because it provides hope, <laughs> get it? Heroes, hope act. Um, it, it is, it is one thousand trillion billion percent, just kind of just ridden with all kinds of lobbyist influence. The the marijuana lobbyists, like they're all up in and through that thing. But at least, again, as I've proposed the question before, what are we trying to accomplish? And at the very least, even with the HEROES Act having absolute influence that is ever present and ever visible when you look at influence from lobbyists, even that considered, the HEROES Act does at least provide sufficient help for the American people, which is something you can't say about the legislation that has been proposed coming out of the Senate. If you were to ask me, well, Brittany, in your opinion, why is it that we're not getting stimulus? Why have we not received it to this point? Going forward, I can tell you why we won't get it. We are not going to get it because we're moving too close to the election and there's no incentive to give it. Uh, Now, but prior to today, prior to September 14th, the reason we have failed to receive stimulus is because of a difference in priorities. 
Priorities is absolutely the name of the game. The problem that we have that is keeping the Democrats and the Republicans from coming to an agreement on the contents of an actual stimulus package, let alone the need to even have one, is their priorities. We, we have to recognize that legislation, again, when you consider how it even is written, it is most often not written by politicians. Politicians just serve as the vehicles to take it from A to B. Literally think of it like this. The lobbyists, the organizations that, that want stuff done, the industries that want legislation put into place that benefit them, they cannot create the, the legislation themselves, but the politicians can. So they just need to get the legislation, the draft legislation into the hands of the politician. The politician can then take it and can go ahead and take it and put it in the special box or put it on the desk where it needs to be. We need to recognize, as I've talked about earlier, the, the lobbyist influence that we've seen with the PPP and then with subsequent stimulus-related uh, legislation. We need to recognize when this is happen, happening. Um, and, and we need to also be honest about the fact that it's happening with both parties. Again, and I want to make it very, very clear, I in no way by pointing out Mitch McConnell and his um, control and, and the fact that he is so enamored with and in bed with and in love with, his wife might need to, I, I don't know, his my, wife might, might be able to say that he's cheating and having an affair uh, on her with the, um, with the lobbyists, right? Uh, but I'm in no way, shape, or form saying that it is only the Republicans and it is only Mitch. You simply have to look at, smell the Heroes Act, and you smell the lobbyists all over it. You'll smell the, the marijuana lobbyists right on it, right in it. But as I did earlier, you have to ask yourself, not just with this legislation, but with other legislation, but we're only focused on anything related to stimulus right now. We need to ask ourselves, what is the main objective? There may be many things that we are trying to accomplish, okay? And uh, truth be told, everyone is kind of in things for different things. If we are expecting to live in this, you know, kind of utopia where everybody always wants the same thing and that they only want that one thing, you were kidding yourself. Again, just look at the fact that we have lobbyists. But at the very least, whether for personal reasons, and most often it's for personal reasons, whether it's for your own personal economy or the economy at large, we can pretty much all agree that people want the economy to do better. People want the economy to be stimulated. People might think that the only way it needs to be stimulated is through them, but they at least agree that it needs to be stimulated. So that is what we can say most people want, economic stimulation as the main objective. And when you look at that and you ask yourself, what is the objective? What is the main thing we're trying to accomplish here? You need to ask yourself, 
Who was more likely to help me accomplish this? How was, how was this legislation helping me accomplish the main objective? Going forward, we're sure to hear about more pieces of legislation that are being proposed because we haven't see any, seen any go anywhere since the CARES Act, really. But you need to ask yourself, is what is the main objection? Econ the main objective, economic stimulus. Is this accomplishing, a, not just is this just accomplishing it, but is it accomplishing it in a way that is sufficient? I said in another, I think it was my most recent podcast episode, you can have a fire and you can both say water, you threw water on it if you had water in a pot and threw water versus water in a fire hose. But one of those is more likely to actually address the issue of the blazing fire. And that is the fire hose versus the person who says, well, yeah, I threw water on it, but they just threw one pot of water on it. If anything, you're going to aggravate, aggravate the problem even more, which is what we are seeing. You need to be selfish. You most certainly have to be selfish. Politicians want you living in this utopia in your mind where you only look out for the needs of others and you deny yourself and you say, oh my gosh, you know what? I know, you know, I really need economic stimulus, but these businesses, they, they really need, you need to be selfish, be selfish, because this is how you're going to get what you want. This is how you were going to see the economic stimulus that you need. These companies are being selfish in the form of hiring lobbyists. Now, can you be mad at them about it? No, don't hate the player, hate the game. That's just how the game is but the thing is you cannot just sit on the sidelines and read the instructions and expect to play by the rules when other people are not playing by the rules or when you see that their rules really only favor them and they keep you playing at a handicap so what do you do yeah, maybe if you don't have any money or anything, you get out there and you take your time and you march in the streets. Now, mind you, time is money. So while you cannot just say, for instance, donate to con to uh, donate a contribution to organizations uh, either like ours or donate to uh, actual uh, individual po uh, politicians, your time is going to cost you money. So maybe you can't make that ten dollar contribution but you're out there marching for two or three hours. And I can most certainly guarantee that your time uh, in two or three hours of marching is worth uh, more than that $10. So you might do better just by kind of donate, donating that money. Again, this isn't an advertisement for you to donate to us. I'm just kind of using that as an example. This is one of those things, and, and, and I, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, but this is one of those things that people who were used to, to kind of, I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna do that to myself. I would be just totally shooting myself in the foot. But so anywho, be selfish and don't you feel bad about it. Now there are many other areas in your life where you most certainly need to be selfish. I mean, where you need to feel bad about being selfish. Like if your kids are hungry and you're up there like just gluttonous is all get out, then absolutely feel bad and I hope you choke. But if you are in a situation where you see again, 
that all the other parties are not just advocating for what they want, but they are getting what they want and they are doing it by having the ears of the only people who can get them what they want. You are doing yourself a disservice by sitting on the sidelines and complaining about it. You are going to get nowhere. Nothing is going to get done. Yes, it's great to connect on Reddit and on YouTube and the comment sections and talk to people and complain and oh my gosh, the politicians suck, they this, the, but what the heck are you doing about it? If you're not doing anything about it, shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Fact is, the Senate Republicans, we talked about the HEROES Act earlier. It was over $3 trillion. They have refused to take it up. Now, this is where Americans, I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but this is where we have to address some of the fundamental kind of misunderstandings that a lot of people have. A lot of people are operating under the assumption that the legislation passed. Well, actually, look, I, something that was kind of mind boggling to me, I heard a YouTuber over the weekend kind of make the suggestion, um, you know, well, why don't Democrats just pass something, which they did but they were saying it in a way that kind of suggested that if the Democrats pass something, he can go straight to the president. And this was a YouTuber who had a sizable audience and they did not have the conversation. They didn't add to that conversation. The fact that both chambers, the house and the Senate have to pass identical forms of legislation because only one bill can get to the president. So it is factually inaccurate to say, well, the Democrats could just pass something and take it straight to the president. Absolutely not. But that YouTuber, mind you, if you pay attention to his content and the way in which he presents it, although he claims in 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 a in a in how they say like rhino Republican in name only, how if if you look at kind of um, what he says, he's a uh, neutral citizen reporter in name only <laughs> like right look at what he says look at the words he uses look at look at how he kind of presents certain arguments again everybody not just your citizen reporters but even these big news organizations they have a slant they have an objective they have a leaning even when they try not to lean into it, if you look hard enough and close enough it becomes apparent and at the very least you deserve honesty. You don't deserve to have people, well, yeah, I'm neutral. I'm neutral, but everything that they present to you, when you look at it, is completely slanted to kind of benefit a certain party, to kind of get you to kind of see things in the lens that puts a certain party in a certain perspective. We're very honest, and I've said it before, we're a political organization. So while we're not connected with Democrats or Republicans, definitely on certain issues, we favor certain politicians over the other. And I will very much and always make it clear when we have established uh, positions on politicians or on policy. But that said, the you have to be honest, going back to the HEROES Act, and, and we need to address the fact that there is this misunderstanding. Some people, as I just kind of demonstrated with that YouTuber, don't understand that you have to have identical pieces of legislation get to the president because you can only present one bill. Um, or if you don't have that, you have kind of this assumption, especially with the HEROES Act, that the 
House voted for it and the Republicans just all voted no or just didn't pass. That is not what happened. Mitch McConnell in the Senate, we, I've talked about how lobbyists will get their pieces of legislation to a politician. Those politicians just kind of think of a bin. They put their policies in a bin and they kind of um, get, uh, uh, they, they become made aware of by leadership. Leadership, in this case, Mitch McConnell, decides what gets voted on and what gets, what just has to sit on the table. Mitch McConnell, when it came to the HEROES Act, did not even allow the Senate to vote on the HEROES Act. He just kept it on the table and acted essentially like it didn't exist. Again, leadership determines what gets voted on in their respective uh, chamber. Same deal said for the House and Nancy Pelosi. We know anybody with two bits of common sense knows exactly why Mitch McConnell did not allow the HEROES Act to get voted on in the Senate. He kept it from coming for a vote. And he did it because if it were on record that individual politicians, including him especially, individual politicians said no to specific things. And it, their vote was actually recorded, that could be held against them. But if you notice, very rarely, if at all, do you see Mitch McConnell being held responsible and being made to answer for his lack of at least bringing this up for a vote. You don't see reporters, now in all fairness, he's ducking and dodging like a cheating husband. Does anyone even know if Mitch McConnell even exists anymore? Do you see him? We absolutely didn't see him doing stimulus, update, uh, stimulus uh, uh, negotiations. He just sent you know, the administrative minions to take care of things. Didn't even have the decency to show his face, unlike the leadership in the House. At the very least, if he felt enough conviction to say no to aid to people, at the very least, if he either didn't want it to pass or didn't think it can pass, and he can't even use the, oh, I didn't think it can pass argument because with the skinny bill that we just saw voted on and voted down in the Senate, he knew that that wasn't going to pass. But again, everyone knows that that was more of a symbolic vote. Nobody believed it was going to pass. 
but at the very least, go on record. Is, isn't that what politicians want to do? Be on the record? You want to be on the record when you want to talk about how we need more PPP. You want to be on the record when you want to talk about how we need to bail out the airlines. Be on the record and talk about why you don't want to vote on the HEROES Act. Take a public stand and have the courage to stand your neck up straight and say no. He doesn't want to be seen as the bad guy, but he so clearly wants to paint everybody else as the bad guy. What does the leader of the body that is controlled by the party of personal responsibility, what does he take in the name of personal responsibility? What is your personal responsibility in this, Mitch? What is it? I said the proof was in the pudding that Americans need more direct economic stimulus. It's time that I deliver on letting you see for yourself what that proof is. We talked about it. We talked about the layoffs that have happened, not just to those co-pilots and those flight attendants and those people in hotels and those food service workers, but just look around you. Look at the layoffs of your children who have had to move back home, of your other family members, your sister, your brother, your cousins, nieces, nephews, your husband, your wife. Look at the layoffs of your friends. Layoffs are the main piece of evidence that Congress needs to pass another relief package that includes a second round of stimulus checks that are put directly into the hands and accounts of Americans. We also need an extension of federal unemployment and expanded benefits. We also need expanded access to food stamps for Americans. If you don't get it, let me spell it out for you. When Americans get a stimulus check, they take that stimulus check and they pay for things. Okay? Maybe they pay for food. Maybe they pay their bills. Maybe they pay just other past due debt. Maybe they pay uh, maybe they pay for clothing that they need. Maybe that they maybe they pay for an increase in faster internet services because their children are having to stay home to, to get schooled from home. But whatever the case, the money that they use to pay for whatever it is they pay for gets directly put into the hands of businesses, and those businesses use those use that money to make things happen. But point of it is, Americans choose who to give that money to. Let me spell this out for you. If you want to look at the unemployment benefits, when you have unemployed Americans, they do the same thing. They choose to take that money and they choose to give it 
to a business, a business maybe that provides them with food, a business that maybe provides them with clothes, a business that provides them with services that they received in the past, but they owe a debt to. Maybe they use that money to uh, give that money to their landlord, but they are giving their money to a business in exchange for something. Let me spell this one out for you with the food in case you don't get it. When you have Americans who unfortunately have to get food stamps, they take those food stamps and they then can go to a grocery store, the grocery store of their choosing, and they, in exchange for those food stamps, get goods. Those grocery stores that provides those goods, they get compensated. So what's being taken away here if we decide, well, we're not going to provide money to individual Americans, but we're going to give money to companies? Think about it. Think about it with the hotels and the Airbnb. What's being taken away here, guys, is your choice. We're not talking about choice of pro-life, abortion. Can I kill my baby? Can I not? No, that's not the, that's not the choice that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the choice of what companies we deem valuable and what companies we deem not valuable what industries we as consumers are demanding change because they uh, that they because they can't uh, stand up to the times and kind of meet the demand for change this is where we need to demand that things shift we need to demand that we are in control because what ends up happening to americans who can't get assistance well, they end up needing cash assistance. They end up needing food stamps. They end up needing Medicaid, which you're not hearing about this in the news either. We are seeing increases in, in requests to get food stamps, to get cash aid, to get Medicaid. Why are people not talking about this? Something I completely was not even planning to talk about on a side note. I, and I should have brought this up when I, when I talked about kind of misinformation and people were citizen reporters reporting the news and how people have slants to things. I watched a YouTube video over the weekend and it's a YouTuber that I actually really enjoy his videos. He's a, he's a very, um, I like the way he kind of delivers the news. Um, but it's only been kind of in recent weeks that, that his slant has kind of been becoming apparent. And he tried to have a story over the weekend where he presented the increase in PPP. And he, he kind of said, well, you know, we're seeing more PPP cases than we are uh, claims for regular state unemployment. And he kind of presented it as, you know, oh, we'll see there's fraud with the PPP. No one is saying that there's not fraud with the PPP. There's, it's absolutely prone to fraud, just like we have seen the regular state unemployment prone to fraud. But what he not at any point in time said during the course of his video that I actually had to point out was the fact that in the natural trans transition of things, when a person exhausts all of their state unemployment benefits, they automatically become eligible for the PUA program. That is why you are now seeing more PUA claims than you are state benefits. Misinformation. 
But anyways, it was totally random and unrelated. I'm going to close by saying this, that, that things are only getting worse. Okay. Um, again, just look around you. You know, don't, I, I, I've said before in other episodes that you need to stop just kind of listening to, listening to like what people say, uh, because anybody can say anything. Politicians lie, people lie. And here's the deal. A lot of people say that the numbers don't lie. <laughs> the, the numbers absolutely can lie. Two is always two, but the data that is used, that's presented to you, that interprets those numbers can absolutely lie. Numbers can be used to say anything you want to say. You just have to kind of find the pattern to make that language speak. So while we have politicians and, and news sources that are no longer talking really about economic, the need for economic stimulus, while we have people telling us that the economy is so great, while we have people telling us that the PPP was so great, don't listen to what they're saying. I, hell, don't even believe the numbers that they're putting out to you at this point, because again, they can interpret them to mean anything. What I want you to do is I want you to look at the circumstances around you, because those circumstances don't lie. Now, here's the deal. Everybody's circumstance is not going to be the same. Depending on your circle and who you surround yourself with, you may be, again, the story of there being two recoveries is absolutely true. Some people run in circles that are considered economically as part of the upper echelon. And because of that, what they see in their circumstances don't reflect a need for an emergent form of economic stimulus. But that's not the case for most people. And just because they don't see it, you can't blame them. And this is what we need to be honest about, too. We can't blame people who think that everything is rosy and that we don't need economic stimulus because they don't see it. I can't blame you for not calling 911 if you don't see that the bank is being robbed. If you are outside of the bank, but I'm actually in the bank and it's being robbed. I can't blame you because you don't know. You're not experiencing what I'm experiencing. But I'm saying this because I don't, again, you need to be selfish and you need to advocate for what is going on in your current circumstances. So while you see people who are unwilling to talk about what is going on, who are unwilling to talk about the fact that your friends are being laid off, that are unable and unwilling to talk about the fact that, you know, uh, people are unfortunately considering doing illegal things to get money because there's no help coming and there's no hope in sight. When you see those things around you, don't feel bad when you have to say, you know what, I have to keep advocating for economic stimulus. I know no one is talking about it. I know that everyone is getting on the news and they're saying, look at the numbers, they're so great. You know, the numbers, they're lying. You know it and I know it, but your circumstances know the truth. Your circumstances for you know the truth. And, and what we have to hope on and what we have to bank on and feel confident in is the fact that for most people, their circumstance is not a circumstance, a set of circumstances that are, that are seen by those in the upper echelon. For most people, 
Their circumstances are circumstances observed by the average American. And those set of circumstances are still dealing with the, the fire outbreak. We're not necessarily in the form of rebuilding. So if enough people come together and they understand that things are not as good as are being projected, we'll draw enough attention and things will change. But if people just sit back and shut up, nothing is going to change. And the narrative is going to stay the same, which is the narrative of nothing, the narrative of no help, the narrative of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, the narrative of lobbyists controlling the situations. Circumstances, they don't lie. Numbers do and people do. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Be sure to check out our Facebook page, which you can find a link to it in the description box of this episode. If you come on over to our Facebook page, you'll find that we talk more about the issue of COVID-19 economic stimulus and relief. I hope to see you over there. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. This is Brittany. Just wanted to shoot you a quick reminder. Look in the description box of this episode and you can find a link to our website. On our website, you can find our latest blog posts. You can find our contact information. If you even want to make a contribution, you can go over there and do that as well. You can find out the policies we are looking at and targeting as an organization. You know, I say all the time that we are a tax-exempt political organization. If you want to know more about that, again, go on over to our website, our-pack.com, where you can find out everything you want to know. You can do everything you want to do. We will gladly, gladly, gladly welcome you on our website with open arms. Again, check out our website in the description box below. So thank you so much for tuning in to this Monday episode of our PAC Politics Podcast. Um, I, I just, you know, guys, I, I I can't say it enough. You know, again, the proof is in the pudding. And that pudding is the circumstances that not just you, well, they are, let me be grammatically correct. The, the circumstances are not just the circumstances that you happen to find yourself in, but the circumstances that you and others that you know all individually find yourselves in. Um, and, and, and those circumstances will directly speak to the fact that we need more stimulus. I know that this was supposed to be just a short-term problem. And I know that when, you know, when we look at what's been done and what's being proposed, we only see uh, solutions for the large corporations. But I want you to know that people know organizations like ours know that that's not enough you instinctively know that that's not enough you know that that again is a losing plan 
okay? Uh, everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are now starting to question, hey, you know, if we had shut down earlier, would we have been in this situation? And, you know, no, we can't do anything about the past right now, but we do need to honestly have that kind of moment of reflection because we can learn, uh, uh, we can learn important lessons to help us in our future by examining the past. And when we look at the past, we see that we did not do enough we see that the PPP was not enough, you know, beyond the fact that it was wildly influenced by lobbyists, beyond the fact that we have new pieces of legislation that are being proposed that are way influenced by lobbyists. We know a lot of this stuff is not enough. And so if we look again at the current situation and we try to determine the best and next step forward, when we consider the past, even if we still don't know exactly what needs to be done, we know exactly what not to do. We know what priorities not to have. We know whose priorities, when we really look at what they've done, not just what they've said, but what they've done, we can see, you know, yes, the politicians, the only ones that we have as options left may not be perfect, but at least we can see what those other people Yo, their priorities are, are not in line with what I am looking to see as a person. And you have to be in touch with that because you're part of the solution. You're part of determining what goes on with our COVID-19 economic stimulus and relief. Part of how I know you, you're not going to be the person writing the bill. No, you're not the, the lobbyist, you know, who's able to have that type of influence. There are other forms of influence you can have. I'm not going to get into those because I talk about them all the time. And it might seem like a little bit of a self-promotion because of, you know, the type of political organization that we are. But one of the way important ways that you're going to have influence is the fact that you are going to vote. Yes, I say all the time, voting is not enough, but I can guarantee you, we are most likely not going to see any type of economic stimulus before the election. I hate to break it to you. Like, I really, really do. Um, but it, I, it's, it's very clear that it's, there's no incentive for it to happen. And at the very least, if it does happen, it's not going to be sufficient. It's, it's really not. It, and it's going to be as a result of Democrats saying, you know what, we know it's not going to be enough, but we're going to do it anyways. And Republicans continuing to say, don't do anything, don't do enough. Um, and, and so because of that, if we do see something, it's not going to be enough, which means we're going to need more stimulus after the election. That said, in either case, the election is part of the solution. So no, voting is not enough, but it is absolutely pivotal and important. And you need to make sure that you are well informed. And I don't mean just like just on the news and the issues and kind of how bills become like, no, that's not, that's important. But really what I'm talking about is you need to be well informed as to what your circumstances are. And it doesn't take a lot to figure it out. And when you understand what your circumstances are, you understand that it is absolutely evident that we absolutely need more economic stimulus because the proof is in the pudding and that pudding is your circumstance. We need more stimulus, Americans do, period, point blank. So anywho, on Wednesday, we have one more show this week. 
we are off on Friday, so I won't see you Friday. Unfortunately, last week we only had one show because we were off Monday and Friday, so you got one extra show out of me this week. But next week we should be back to our regular schedule. We don't have any holidays for a while. But uh, yeah, we're off Thursday and Friday of this week. So anywho, I will let you go. You have a fantastic Monday. I hope the rest of your day is a just phenomenal day that sets you up for a just excellent, just just totally stupendous uh, week. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for tuning into our Pack Politics podcast. This has been a good episode, guys. Uh, my name is Brittany McDowell. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you on Wednesday. Have a good one. Bye-bye.